Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe Diverge. And I'm Chris Atfield. Chris, we are recording this on December 13th. We've just watched Louisville defeat the mighty Indiana State Sycamores. 91 to 62. What a name. Shout out to the Sycamores. But Chris, we wanted to touch on what the biggest story in college basketball is right now. We would be remiss if we didn't mention it. So we're going to talk about it in this cold open. And that, of course, is our beloved Kentucky Wildcats going down (laughs) 64-67 to the Evansville Aces, the mighty Chris Max. Uh, Chris, this seems like a paradigm shifting moment in college basketball and really kind of setting the stage for what I think a lot of people don't realize is going to be a pretty up and down season and and where yeah. not, not there's not going to be the dominant season we saw last year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's I've heard a lot of people put it this way that, you know, it's a huge deal um and then it's not a big deal at all. Yeah. One thing that I like didn't really like from the analysis of this game that I've heard from so many people is that it doesn't affect you in in March, but I, I think it absolutely does. There's no way that last night potentially yeah. if, it, if it comes down to very close didn't cost Kentucky a seed line or it, at the very least didn't cost them you know I think being is it it might be Indianapolis or it's St. Louis one of the two for one of those close regionals mm-hmm. I, I think you can absolutely say that happened but you know it's it's absolutely wild I posted the stat today about I think it was four out of the last five teams that have lost to an unranked team as number one um have went to the lead eight and, and, and beyond. So it, it may not mean anything, but, but Evansville, man, none of and those it, to be, to be fair, none of those wins, none of those losses were anything like losing to Evansville. Yeah. I mean, the closest was Boston college and that's still in a different galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. No question. I, I, I think it was really interesting. I want to point people to kind of what you had your, you had a, you had a thread on Twitter we'll link it in the show notes for sure. Um, where you kind of broke down some of these like later plays from Kentucky. And I mean, sure enough, I, the, the, it seems like it's maxi and four guys out there at some yeah. point. And I mean, I don't know if you want to go into some detail of what kind of you noticed. Cause I think you made some astute observations, especially about, no, the I'm just court. saying like, Usually, like in these colossal upsets that happen, right. it's the the situation that happens is usually you know that that big underdog. Most of the time, there'll be some of the buzzer beaters and things, things, but usually they'll build a substantial lead. The 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 team that is the the huge underdog will claw back, mm-hmm. and then the other team will fold. And usually of in course. those waning straights, is you just see uh, the the team that isn't the that is the massive massive favorite kind of just overwhelm their opponent. And what happened yesterday, last night rather, is that Evansville had three shot clock violations in the in the last two minutes, so they they were overwhelmed by the moment a little bit at the yeah. end. But Kentucky never really imposed their will the entire game and it never changed in the last two minutes. I mean, some of these rebounds that that were missed, that was the biggest thing for me that I kind of highlighted were just unreal. And that's that's like the thing in a lot of these situations, I, I would say about 80% of the time I would look at it and be like, man, team A played great, team B didn't have it. That's mm-hmm. what happens in college basketball. But some of these things, I don't know that you can fix overnight. I mean, Evansville specifically wanted to get Nate Sestina out at the at the perimeter and attack him as an individual defender. They saw something in him that, and they wanted to go after him. And it, it wasn't like 
they made a bunch of threes or they forced a bunch of turnovers, anything that Evansville didn't play really great, right. particularly. Right. And that's that's like the shocking thing for me is like you cannot just look at it and say this team made 16, 17 threes. They couldn't miss. What do you want to do? It happened. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times you can say that, but you can't about last night. And that's that's the crazy thing for me. Yeah. Evansville. I mean, they turned the ball over 14 times like they, they didn't they didn't really play great. You mentioned that they weren't super excellent on the boards um i mean they had a you know a decent amount of the defensive rebounds you know 0.771 percent um i mean the 77.1 percent i i this this issue with the front court is something we've talked a little bit about in previous episodes especially in relationship to how other teams are going to look at kentucky um you know we talked about that CBS basketball article where they're like, oh, this this front court is going to be fine and this back court's going to be incredible. And yeah. yes, Tyrese Maxey has been extraordinary. He's been hands down the best player on the team. Uh, there was one play in that thread you mentioned where it's kind of like, why is Tyrese Maxey not having the ball, which is kind of weird. I don't know if that's a, a Cal making a mistake thing. Um, but it, yeah, it's, Nate Sestina just looks like a guy. And I get yeah. it. I get it. Nick Richards, quote unquote, isn't 100 percent. They didn't have E.J. Montgomery. But are we are we supposed to believe that suddenly E.J. Montgomery becomes P.J. Washington? Like, that's yeah, just I mean, not I, gonna happen. I, I, I could talk an entire podcast about this. But like if, if this was Louisville, something that we would spend, I don't know, 45 minutes on would be the, the Cal Perry postgame comments. Because yeah. to me, some of the things that he said were just absolutely unexcusable. I mean, you you cannot come after the fact and say, Ashton Higgins is hurt. He probably shouldn't have been out there. Like, that is just absolutely bizarre to say. Yeah. And then, then, then to say, you know, they've only been practicing with seven, eight guys. Another, like, I mean, he took, Cal Perry said it's on me, which, I mean, he, he says that he's, if there's anything he does pretty good in those situations he generally does take all the blame um he, he sticks to the meshes of a player's first, first program he does that well that always be recruiting baby um <laughs> but i don't know i was absolutely shocked by by him saying the whole ash and hagan's thing because it's not like you have to roll the dice and force the guy to play against freaking evansville yeah. like if it's a conference game against florida i understand it but it was real. It's, it's just a very like. It's just bizarre. It's a man. bizarre loss. What do you make? What, what what do you make of? I didn't even put this in our in our notes here. But what did you make of the Pat Forty tweet about Cal Perry? <laughs> I don't have the exact tweet in front of me, but it's something to the effect of: "I've always believed that Cal Perry undercoaches players in November and December." And I was yeah, was I was awful. just astounded at that tweet. I, I I don't know if people actually believe that. I think there's a I think maybe what he's trying to say is there's like a level of he's got to put things together like it's almost like he's kind of more behind the eight ball than most coaches because he's normally, you know, tossing in four to five freshmen into a rotation slash starting lineup. Then, you know, that's, I mean, that's and I, I mean, he talks ball. about how he wants he, he wants the players to to be accountable. But um, I, don't, I don't think it, that's under coaching. And I think that's always kind of been, that's always been my complaint with cows like he's always like. Oh, uh, the kids, you know, they're just kids, but dude, that's like what you, that's what you, your, your chosen right. like construction of the team is, is that you've got, right. you've got kids on the team. So you don't get to use that as an excuse. And, and it's really fascinating to me. And I, I definitely want to get to like what this means. What does this tell you anything about December the 28th? 
Yeah, I mean, I I, I want to talk on the other side about um, we can get to the game at some point. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of these games where we're not really going to do a whole lot of analyzing. We might have a little bit more to talk about today than, than some other yeah, ones. I think so, yeah. Um, but I, I do want to talk a little bit about not maybe in the sense of Kentucky, but how this is another symptom of what's going on in college basketball and how that, that changes things for Louisville. Mm-hmm. Because to me, as someone who is – I consider myself pretty critical as a fan, especially a basketball fan. It is hard for me to say that Louisville isn't the best team in college basketball right now. I mean, that can absolutely change. Yeah. It can change in a week. But as, as we're speaking right now, I haven't seen a team look more dominant than them. Do I really believe that Duke is the number one team in the country? I mean, give me a break. Come on. I I, I, I don't believe that. <laughs> who's who's the guy? I'm, I, I'm forgetting his name, the dude who is trolling. No, um, man. the guy who voted Brian for something. Yeah, he. I could be off on that, man. That that sucks. We, David we really Borges, should, Dave Borges, David Borges, who is the the beat writer for the New Haven Register for UConn men's basketball, who literally was just trolling and saying, "You guys just picked Kentucky for no like the same exact reasons why we had like people just yeah. assumed that Kentucky was going to be instantly great." after losing their four best players. And don't get me wrong, Kentucky can still be great. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to be. I'm just saying that was ridiculous to think they're instantly a top five team. There was a lot more questions. To me, there was a lot more questions Kentucky needed to answer than Louisville. And and that that just, I don't, I don't understand why that never was kind of assumed. And yeah. I don't know, we can, we can, you know, we can talk about that. We can talk about it a little more on the other side once we, you know, talk about Louisville. But I'm very interested in seeing how these guys respond, but I do think that, you know, you know, Kentucky's everyone's Super Bowl, but I do feel like guys can come in and feel like, okay, these guys, they can sleep, they can fall asleep and we can kind of get one over them if we really want to. Last thing on this, at least for me, I I do think there was something interesting that I've heard from a a huge Kentucky club conglomerate um, after that game. And and they talk about how some of these players that, that are in state and some of these smaller schools, Murray state, Moorhead state, um, you know, teams that, that grew up probably being Kentucky fans or Louisville fans don't come into rep arena for whatever reason, intimidated yeah. anymore. I, I mean, yeah. teams in the, in their conference still do. And, and Louisville still does quite frankly, but some of these smaller schools really, they, they don't look intimidated by that moment or that arena. And that, that, that's a whole nother thing. That's pretty fascinating to me. No, you're absolutely right and i think with that we'll, we'll definitely go into uh you know we can definitely go into the show for sure coming to you from inside the waterson expressway it's the only podcast that misses cahoots this is what high school did you go to with your hosts chris hatfield and gabe diverge and we're back chris we wanted to delve deep as deep as you can into a November the 13th battle. As we mentioned, number four Louisville wins 91 to 62, Chris. And I think we can't, you know, you can't start anywhere else but the shooting. It was just on fire. I think towards the, it's kind of hilarious because Louisville ended the game nine for 17 from three, which was still 52.9%. But you had a bunch of lo- kind of misses towards the end of the game. Quinn Salinsky yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and Josh Nickelberry both went 0 for 2 in like the last five minutes of the game. So it's not quite 100%, you know, uh, reflective of how that game went. Uh, but 
I, the cards did not miss a three until five minutes and 15 seconds in, uh, <laughs> remaining in the first half. Yeah. It was an offensive onslaught. The, um, you know, the advanced, the advanced metrics for Louisville are just insane. Um, you know, amazing offensive ratings from pretty much every starter. Um, everyone, everyone showed out who needed to show out uh, for the most part. Uh, we could talk about Darius Perry. I think he kind of is the only person I think had quote unquote a bad game, but we can talk a little bit about that. Um, what was your initial thought coming out of this, Chris? What What were you most excited about? Yeah, the, the whole shooting thing, I'm trying to figure out how I really want to balance it because like... It, <laughs> They started the game against Youngstown State 11 for 11, and then they were only up at halftime by by like six or seven in that game, which is a weird thing for me. Um, But tonight, you're right. Like the offensive outing was just absolutely ridiculous. I'm just, I kind of want Louisville to have like an off shooting night just to see how different things look. Um, Because uh, we haven't really seen that. We didn't even really see that against Miami. They started the half, the second half, a little bit cold early on. There were also some just weirdly weird things that happened to start that second half um, with the officials that I didn't really understand. Um, but, you know, they they kind of regrouped and got things back on the rails pretty quickly. And I don't know, man, like, you know, Dwayne Sutton bounced back, um, had a pretty terrible game against Youngstown State. I, I think we can we'll, we'll go down the list and, and talk about different players if yeah, you want that. to. Um, I, I do want to start a little bit with Darius Perry because, like, I'm wondering – I'm wondering if we're going to get to a point with Darius to where like he can have a bad game and we're going to be able to come back and say, okay, it's good. It's a one on. He's going to have a good, good game. The next game. I don't know. What, what did you think about his play tonight overall? Some of those early, the, 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 the stat sheets a little skewed because he got like three turnovers yeah. in the first five minutes of the game yeah. and then didn't have one for the rest of the game, yeah, which is a little for the rest of the game. And I think kind of the rest of his scoring was kind of beyond that point. Um, yeah. I mean, he had seven points, you know, you know, was one for two from outside the arc. You know, he had three assists still. I mean, only ended up playing 60 minutes. I mean, you'll take three assists in 60 minutes. It's not terrible. Yeah. At all. Um, but then also committed four fouls. The fouls were weird. I think two of those fouls came in that sort of weird second half section where mm-hmm. people were just getting called for weird stuff. And Chris Mack was about to get a tech. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. You know, this is definitely kind of the game that, you know, Hopefully we can point to the next one and be like, all right, you know, Darius is fine. It's it's, it's not that big a deal. But when people talk about, quote unquote, you know, out of control Darius, that's this is what they look for. Yeah. So like I I was on I wasn't on Twitter as much tonight as I am in some other games. But I I definitely feel like if if this was like a conference game and, you know, Louisville still won by 12, 13 points, Mm -hmm. there would be a like a massive referendum on Darius Perry tonight. And that's what I'm well fresh came in and played. Right, fresh and, and like, over once, I, I, I just don't know why if we're ever if we're ever going to get to a point where it's not like that this season. Because, like I said, Dwayne said had an awful game right. um, against Youngstown State, had three rebounds, two points, but nobody right. was nobody in the right mind was saying, you know, Dwayne Sutton and what's going on with him. It wasn't a question, and. I, we just you just need more consistency out of Darius Perry's I guess to avoid that and I don't know um as far as Fresh Kimball that was very um very impressive he showed some things I wasn't quite sure whether he had in his game or not um you know was pretty much scored from everywhere on the court um uh, I guess I guess what did you think about him I I I thought he was fantastic Uh, definitely his best game so far as a Cardinal and 
it, it was good to see him serve as a compliment to Darius, which I, I, I think, you know, we we've, you know, being hashtag Perry Hive, we've kind of always felt like Darius could be, you know, Darius being the best version of himself was potentially the best version of Louisville. But I also kind of think that the second, you know, the second part of that is if they can, you know, if they can figure out a way where, where, where fresh is a compliment to Darius, that's a great thing as well. You know, if you, yeah. if he can come in and Darius isn't playing well and, and serve that, they're going to need that in January. They're going to need that in February. So I'm totally cool with that. Uh, you know, and, and it was great to see him kind of get his sea legs. Cause I, I, there were a few moments in some of the earlier games where he definitely looked lost and Matt kind of compared him to Christian Cunningham said it took some time for Christian Cunningham. I don't think Christian Cunningham looked quite as good as fresh did tonight this early. Which yeah, is yeah. an encouraging factor. And then I just continue to think about David Johnson. I, I, I was going to get to that because what's funny uh, about tonight's game, and I mean, I'm not really trying to call anybody out. You can kind of do whatever you want. But some of the same people that were saying, you know, David Johnson is going to be a, a huge key to this mm-hmm. game. We're just mind blown tonight about what Fresh Game Wolves doing. So I'm wondering where he kind of fits into the rotation if if this kind of continues. Because the way I see it, it's like Perry 60-40 right now, maybe. And then from there, like, I, I, I think there's an obvious, excuse me, I think there's an obvious gap in the front court um, to spell Enoch because while Aiden Gahan did have, you know, probably his best game in a UFL uniform today, he just didn't look completely lost. Um, yeah. So that, that that's a plus right there and, yeah. and got, got a few points. I, I think there's an obvious hole for where, you know, there's a 15, 20 minutes for Williams. Yeah, there's a Malik Williams-sized hole in the front court still. Right, exactly. <laughs> and there's not a, there's not a David Johnson-sized hole. So it's kind of, and and I, th- I don't know if I don't recall if it was you who had the conversation on Twitter about uh, about you know how Chris Mack talks about players, and I don't see Chris Mack as a type of person who is Patino esque and would totally make up something about a player. So I don't believe that David Johnson was a starting point guard for this team, but I also don't like not believe that he's a factor. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see how he'll kind of factor in and it seems like we're going to see both him and Malik Williams by the end of the month so yeah I mean I think they're both going to get opportunities of course. Um, to, to be <laughs> rotational players and, and to be able to you know kind of claim their spot um, I, I guess the only uh, we're going to get to Ryan and man because I see to. that on here and, and that, and that kind of just uh, made me uh made me really happy but any other any the only, other notes before we get to ryan because i think that's a good closer for this yeah the only thing that i noticed that you know little went small again um today that's um a fascinating tonight. lineup to me chris yeah is that a so, lineup you like, think will work in january that's just kind of the thing i'm thinking about it's like is that just gonna get them by while malik williams figures it out you know kind of yeah well i mean that's or is that something you really could throw in you in wonder january? because that's not that's not in like Chris Mack's DNA to to play guys that out of position. It's really fun. We, it's a fun yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it spurred the 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 ten three run today right, when they right. when they kind of put him on there and got the game back on the rails in the in the second half. Um, when I when um, 
Indiana State made their run and cut it to 11. Mm-hmm. So it, it's something to note for sure. Um, uh, I think a little project for me maybe to kind of try to track a little bit of those lineups and just see exactly how much run they're getting out of some of those things because that's going to be an interesting lineup. And obviously when Malik Williams um, comes back, if, if we're going to see you know Malik and, and Stephen Enoch on the floor together, um, both of those lineups will be the, the, the two that are fun to watch and to see if they actually become things. Yeah, that'd be fascinating. I'm looking at I'm looking at Ken Palm and for some reason he has that small lineup. It's the second most popular lineup. The um, yeah. Well, with with uh, with Fresh Kimball at the point guard. But for some reason he has it as if Jordan is the, the center when I think Dwayne Sutton kind of yeah, plays center. That, that's honestly like I'm just like such a pet peeve about some of that stuff. That's why I just wanted to kind of like mark it out myself because so, there's a few like – I mean, Kim Palm's obviously the guy, but there's a few little oddities on his site like that that kind of bug me. So I was just going to pull some of his information um, and, you know, fix it. Yeah, no question. <laughs> uh, one more thing before we get to one, one more person I want to talk a little, well, maybe two. Um, I think th- I'm, I'm starting to really see the Enoch kind of turn around in terms of finesse, yeah. especially on the defensive end. He had that incredible block. And, and it, it was it, that block was great to me because it didn't really feel like a, I'm just a big, tall dude block that was like, I'm going to reach my hand out in this finesse position to block you yeah. like that felt like a more athletic play. And I think there were a few opportunities, a few times where he was um, where Enoch was rotating and rotating well. And I, I'm just excited. Uh, I'm really excited for for kind of yeah, what, was, uh, what he's done so far. It's kind of disappointed we didn't get the third straight double double um, from him yeah. to start the season, but he only played twenty one minutes. I don't think he was a real factor for whatever reason in the offensive game plan. I think he would have been if if Louisville wouldn't have started so hot from the field, but they were just yeah, making they everything. Really need him to fill it up. I, I saw some analysis before the game that you know uh, the, the the Sycamores aren't a very tall team, so like I'll just feed yeah. it to Enoch, and they didn't really need him to do that. But he tied the team high with ten rebounds. So that's really yeah. Nice. So nobody about. By the way, nobody should freak out about Louisville destroying Indiana State on the on the glass. That means absolutely nothing to me. Uh, I've just got to be honest with you. They're, I mean, they don't. They have one guy over six eight, and he doesn't play. Um, so really, they have a bunch of guys that are six eight. Louisville should do you know forty two twenty one. They should do that in their sleep. Um, so it would have been it would have been a bigger story if they had. Absolutely. One more thing, just because uh, we we love to talk about Sammy Williamson. Uh, 15 points, uh, second leading scorer of the game. Um, six of nine from the field, 0 for 1. You know, made it to the line, which was I was enthused about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he's just he's just so much fun to watch, dude. Yeah, I think he's gonna be one of those players that his game is going to go with the opponent. Um, I think he's very much going to be a player that elevates his game in the circumstances, which always isn't the greatest thing, but I, I do think that's kind of going to be the way he is. Him and Maxie are a lot like that in that respect um, from Kentucky that I think when the bright lights come on, that's when they're going to play their best. No, no, no question. It'll be super interesting to see how that goes along. Okay. Let's talk about Ryan McMahon. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to everyone who listens to the podcast who's who's made, you know, some comments and stuff about it. I I, I hope people understand it's been mostly a joke on that point. I do think that there are probably there's probably like three people who take it super, super seriously. Because I think that's just how some Louisville fans feel about Ryan McMahon. Yeah. With all that being said, um I think I'm ready to say that he grew this summer. 
in terms yeah. of like skills wise, especially <laughs> off the ball. Uh, he posted at some point or someone posted videos of him working out on the beach and stuff like that. And um, I was like, OK, you know, he seems like he's more conditioned than he was. He I, I think he's he's getting to spots. Of course, this is Indiana State. Let's be clear. But uh, he did it against Miami as well. So he's getting to spots quicker in the offense maybe that's also another year of learning the offense um he's creating space for himself and then i also think he's he's making that in motion shot more consistently that's not something we can quite quantify but i feel Mm -hmm. like he would try that a lot last season and then it would that was always a shot i knew was never going to go in but at this point it feels like it's 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 becoming not quite automatic but like you know maybe 30 40 percent chance of going in uh, in that in motion shot that he's kind of added to his repertoire and that also feels like it's something that could really be of use especially honestly like given (laughs) given how he how he operates now I have a few like little weird projects I wanted to do. One of the things that I, I, I wrote down for him that I wanted to just take a look at to see if there was anything to it. I feel like his release is quicker this yes. season. I'll, I'll, I was legitimately just going to uh, time his release, average release in a few games. I was going to look at the Michigan State game and just see how different it is this season because it feels like to me it's like a half second quicker. And that matters when you're, you know, his his physical situation where he's going to be shooting at taller people definitely yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just i'm trying to think i was trying to think during the game of a guy at mobile who's gotten more out of his physical limitations in his body and I, nobody really comes to mind the first person i thought of was maybe like cal curry but then i just feel like i'm just doing the white basketball player thing <laughs> um <laughs> so i don't know like yeah, I don't remember off the top of the head. I'm wanting to say Jerry Smith for some reason, but I think that's wrong. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jerry Smith definitely had some limitations. Um, I was trying to think of guys who maybe, like, had some defensive issues that just continued to find ways to get to the floor. Um, I, I Chris Jones is kind of one of those guys, but he's not been nearly – he was not nearly as valuable Louisville as Ryan Man has been. Um, so, yeah, man, it's – he's he's continuing to start, and I think uh, we thought – I think a lot of people thought, I, I know I did, that he was just a placeholder um, until, you know, David Johnson came back or Darius Perry moved to the two or Samuel Williamson played the two, um, however you want to do it. And I, I don't see that spot being relinquished um, in the lineup. I yeah, mean, in a lot of ways, yeah. it, 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 I, mean, I don't know that it's going to matter. This was 28 a, minutes tonight. I mean, he's getting, yeah. you know, I think he's averaged about 30 minutes a game so far this season. Yeah, him and Williamson have almost been playing identical minutes. Um, so in a way, it doesn't really matter at all. Yeah, he had, um, but he it, had it, 24 it, against against Miami, 30 against <laughs> South State, and then 28 tonight. I, yeah. I don't, I, I don't see that going much below 25. When, when, it, when, yeah, I mean, it, it, it'll continue to be matchup based. Yeah, um, yeah, but at some point, if he's proven it against if we get into you know uh, there's that stretch coming up at uh, western pittsburgh um and then obviously texas tech if we're getting into those stretches and he's still able to contribute and, and do the things he's doing and not make defensive lapses he's going to be playing 28 30 minutes the rest of the season that's just the yeah. way it's going to be yeah. so it, you know time will tell um it, this we're going to be searching for a lot of things to talk about in these next stretches of games because i mean my goodness usc upstate legitimately uh, I think that's not the next opponent worst team in, in 
Yeah, no, Jasmine. like legit, they they're in the definitely the 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 top five worst teams, um, for sure. The they're, they're really bad. I don't know if that's the next opponent that Louisville plays or the one after. Um, but some of these teams they play are just really really bad. Akron's actually decent, um, but that's not for a few games. But man. They play some really, really bad yeah, teams. They do. They, they really, yeah, you you mentioned uh, you mentioned Upstate. They're three hundred twenty three hundred forty eighth, sixth. Yeah. And Ken Palm, uh, the next opponent, North Carolina Central, who went to the tournament not too long ago, right? They were like, two yeah, years I think ago so. They went to the tournament. They're three hundred twenty eighth, and then Akron, as you said, is one twenty third on November twenty fourth. Uh, so, uh, sort of the buzz I've heard is that November the twenty fourth is the goal for the two guys to who are yeah. injured to make it. So yeah. something to consider. Obviously, it'd be great if they played against USC Upstate because those guys are garbage and we won't need them. Uh, you know, we, we don't need, we, we could use the, to that as a tune up game. Um, but yeah, before you sort of get into the Western Kentucky, the, the, the Michigan, the Pitt, the Texas, Texas Tech, that's a that's a fun stretch. But mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Um, one other note about Ryan before we move forward. Um you talked a little bit about I think we've talked some in, in past um, games about his sort of mid-range jumper. Uh, yeah. He took one mid-range jumper and missed it. That's something just I know we've wanted to take a look at. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like whether it's uh, Darius, it's something he's kind of added to his game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he only took one tonight, so I think he's five for five now in the year. Um, mid-range jumper. Steven Enochs obviously got that hook shot in his game. While that's in the paint, it still kind of stretches the defense. Um, so it, I kind of consider that. And Sam's a guy who who hits the wing. War is a guy who hits the wing. So that that's that's a thing that Louisville, uh, an area that it seems like Louisville's going to uh, attack. And it's definitely something that my man's added to his game because it comes off that pump fake where, yeah. he, you know, he usually has the option to pass or, or, or whatever off of that, depending on what the defender does. But, yeah, something we want to continue watching for sure, I think. No question. Be super interesting to see where, where they go from there. Uh, any last notes on this game? Nah, man. Um, we, we've got elections and um, some crazy ass nonsense to talk about. So l- let's get let's on with get that. To that, Chris. Uh, we, you know, we're always trying to think about what's next for the pod. And uh, good podcasts have segments. So we are <laughs> announcing our, our first ever segment, and it's very 2019 of us. Very, you know, very millennial of us. Uh, it's called "You Hate to See It," Chris. Yeah. So the first, <laughs> the, the perfect uh, one for what high school. The perfect one for what high school. Uh, you hate to see it. This week is going to our good friends at the Center for Election and Inte- Election Integrity. Uh, these were the two um, fine individuals who have started an organization since last week's gubernatorial election to. Um, just a uh, quote unquote, you know, highlight election integrity is what they keep saying. Um, and they had a press conference earlier today, earlier Wednesday. And you hate to see it because they gave all of this evidence of a uh, potential election, you know, uh, chicanery, some funny business. And absolutely none of it is 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 legitimate 
And the one thing that they, they there was two things that they suggested that kind of had already been debunked. And the one thing that everyone's like, OK, well, this seems you know kind of interesting, kind of legit. Uh, they had a person by the name of Jacob Bird, who's a, uh, <laughs> yeah. a, a Christian Academy of Louisville alumnus and swimming uh, student at the University of Tampa uh, go on. He, he made a video to kind of say, hey, uh, someone voted under my name. Um uh, signed you know used used my id it's been faked they've taken my id they've stolen my identity chris and they are they have voted under my name and i'm suspecting they voted for andy Bashir because i wouldn't have voted for him and um he made this weird like video in his dorm room and i didn't actually see the video i heard there was one out there i have to find I'll this post, i'll post a video in the show notes uh, uh our our uh, our friend adam raymond uh you know the writer in town uh, tweeted it out and i i retweeted it um he, he said i don't recommend watching it but some people are masochists and i replied like yeah that's me uh, i definitely want to watch these crazy people and so anyway, this guy, Jacob Bird says, oh, yeah, someone voted for me. And Chris Sanka, like 20 minutes after the press conference is over, came with the whole story from the Jefferson <laughs> know, it was so quick. I, Dude, uh, these. No, uh, we have to explain. We have to explain what happened because so I kind of vaguely thought this might be it. But two people, believe it or not, Chris, there are multiple people with the name Jacob Bird living in the city of Louisville. Right. And two of them happen to have the same polling place. One is 18 and one is not. And the one who is not 18 accidentally went into the wrong line at his polling place and signed under Jacob Bird. But because his ID said Jacob Bird, they're like, well, yeah, I mean, that's right. You know, this is the right guy, but okay, whatever. And uh, he voted under the 18-year-old Jacob Bird's name. And that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the the thing that was so, like, it is absolutely hilarious, and you absolutely hate to, <laughs> see, hate it. to see it. Absolutely. But, like, these, these clowns didn't check with any county clerks no. or, or anything like that. They just called a press conference at the goddamn Capitol to do and this. Like of, the, uh, of the Attorney General Bashir's <laughs> office. And then they kept saying, everyone's like, well, have you called all these county clerks? They said, no. <laughs> We're just, just two, parents. We're just two moms. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm a parent. I understand, you know, uh, shout out to my wife, uh, mother of my child. Uh, being a mom takes up a lot of your time. But if you have enough time to compile a, a press conference worth of data, you might want to make a few calls. This, um, this, I mean, this should have been on every local television. So I would have loved yeah, if we could have got enough media there for it to be aired and become, because while it got like, you know, a couple guys like us paid attention to it, I don't know that it got the attention that I wish it would have got because it was hilarious. Yeah, um, you absolutely hate to see it. Yeah. And I mean, uh, Matt Bevan, did, he released the press release like on his Twitter account. He didn't yeah, even didn't, show up. Did, I didn't know. I didn't know that. That Bevan, 100 percent. He he tweeted. He's like, I'm going to try and be at this press conference because <laughs> I think that election <laughs> integrity is important. Um, and if you do, you should be or something. <laughs> you should be there, too. And he didn't show up, of course, because you know, why would he? I think he maybe tipped off like this is a bad call. Um he uh, the other the other great part I'm going to post this whole Joe Sanka thread in the uh, in the show notes because it's just honestly incredible if you didn't see it uh, there's like a CNN screen grab um, that's oh supposedly God. an official tally when that's not used officially at all that's always always wrong that's kind of something we found out hard way um, yeah 
And then he uh, then she also she said that they had to change their name from the center for the, the center for election integrity to because that already exists. So they changed their name to the Center for Election Integrity of Kentucky. And then someone replied to him and said, is this pronounced C fake? <laughs> like, see, they're fake. And um, yeah, so there's I mean, these people uh, are obviously supporters of Governor Bevin and uh, apparently have been appointed by him to different committees of sorts, which is which is cool. They're they're appointees, which means they're totally unbiased. And um, you hate to see it, Chris. Yeah. And I mean, I'm looking at it now. Um, We can put it in the show notes at some point. We need to I want to try to figure out how to get, you know, small snippets like this, maybe just over the pod because it would be a little bit more entertaining that way. But this I I guess Matt Bevan spoke with with WKYT and he was just asked. Yes, I was going to mention that, you know, about the re canvas. I mean, he doesn't say he expects change to happen. So he's just like, I want but Chris, he's doing this. This is about election, election integrity. integrity. It's like, oh gosh, it's it's it's. I mean, we this should have been really expected, but man, this is highly entertaining. And, and it's important to note that I don't know if our listeners have kept as much you know track of this as we have, but it, it all. But it's I mean, the Mitch people have kind of said that's not this isn't true but it's i mean almost all the entire party in yeah, kentucky has kind of alienated themselves like sort of the higher-ups in the kentucky party have kind of been hey um we can drop this guy like a fly now <laughs> like like it's okay we don't have to pretend like we like him we don't have to cape for this dude anymore yeah and uh we'll see what happens tomorrow chris when you're li- if you're listening to this on thursday you'll know a lot more than we do i'm i think it's a 50 50 chance bevin's now like 100 percent. it's over tomorrow yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm kind of curious. I, I thought when he lost, he may get like a cabinet position or something like that. But I wonder if he's done too much damage to even get something like that because he's making himself look pretty foolish. Yeah, he's um he's definitely trash it. But that's that's enough about him. Uh, we haven't recorded. We'll go through a few quick news items. We haven't recorded since the election. I, I didn't even mention. Thanks to everyone who. Lit, who came in on the Twitch stream? That was really fun, Chris. I enjoyed it. Uh, we had Robert yeah, from uh, from my old Kentucky pod come on. He was incredibly insightful. I was actually listening to his podcast a little earlier while I was walking my dog. Uh, definitely go listen to that if you haven't. He, you know, he he him him and uh, and Jasmine uh, know a ton about Kentucky and are doing a great job. So so do that. But thanks. I think we had almost a hundred different people tune in. Um, throughout the night is, is kind of what the stats told us. And as I mentioned on Twitter, for some reason, I didn't know what I was. Well, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't record it the right way. I thought I had. But so that doesn't exist. So if, if you listen to whatever you listen to, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's never happening again. <laughs> You're never going to hear it again. Um, well, Twitch streams aren't are going to happen. We're working that out. Hopefully the next time. Chris will be able to use his screen um, on television. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, um, I definitely want to make sure we do some of those again because that was absolutely fun. fun. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about maybe doing, you know, we're not quite sure if it's how regular it's going to be. Definitely between some of the big games, especially the big ones that are away. Um, We'll probably have, I'm sure we'll do something for UK, something like that. Uh, But let's, yeah, so let's talk about, some specific things uh, that happened since then. Bashir won. Yay. 
Um, <laughs> since that's happened, we've had this whole, I mean, I think the spotlight has sort of been all on this, you know, and rightfully so, you know, Bevan not really like caring the fact that he lost. Yeah. Um, but I did want to note one one thing that I thought was kind of interesting, Chris, is uh, good. It, and he said that the grand marshal for his impeachment parade is Kentucky teachers, the broad right. spirit of Kentucky teachers, which, you know, shout out to him just really underlining that. Um, but I wanted to ask you, you know, there's a they, they really start, quote unquote, passing bills in the General Assembly in January. But what do you think should be? the primary focus of this first year of the Bashir administration? I mean, I, I think yeah, there's a lot of things, but, yeah. but I, I mean, beyond, beyond healthcare would be the biggest one. Um, yeah. be outside, I mean, outside of that, you know, the, the, the two obvious ones, casino gaming and uh, medical marijuana to me. Um, it seems the, like there's a real chance at medical marijuana. Medical yeah. Marijuana. And like I, even and with to, the fact that, that the Republicans in control, there seems to be a lot of momentum and motion. I've seen a few people, more than a few mention that Bevan seemed to be a bigger kind of stone in that mud than, yeah. than he let on or than the whole party let on. So... Yeah. And, th and that's something I think is like I I'm speaking from the realm of like what I think can happen with, you know, honestly, Kentucky getting a little bit more red, even with Andy Bashir winning, because now they they have four of the five seats um, um, kind of uh, taken over in the election. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that's the, that's the most most obvious one um, and, and the one I would like to see the most. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. no, we'll definitely see. And uh, we'll, I think we're going to learn a lot more about what he's doing. I'm very interested seeing who some of the people he brings on are, especially people from the city of Louisville. Um, already, he's kind of already brought on Mayor Fisher into some stuff, into some inauguration stuff. Um, I kind of joked here in the show notes, when are we getting our inauguration invite? You know, yeah, right. If, anyone, if anyone's <laughs> listening and can hook that up, uh, Chris and I, you know, we clean up nicely. We can show up to a ball. <laughs> we can do that. So, you know. I mean, we haven't even really had a uh, something. I you threw me off a little bit with that question because I thought you were going to get to um, just some of the the national reaction. because oh, we, we haven't no, even really even like write that in the show notes. We we haven't even really discussed that. Um, and it was kind of wild. Yeah, let's like, do a few minutes on that. Like just how off the the national media was how, compared okay, to so, like. So how surprised were you? Let's start there. How surprised were you? Because I wasn't surprised in the slightest. So I'm never surprised when someone looks at Kentucky and they say, oh, you voted for Mitch Bonagam. Look, it's a bunch of idiots. And they don't try to understand, you know, the deeper issues. Um, but I was I was a little surprised at just how quickly it all kind of happened. And then suddenly I, I woke up and literally every national outlet was writing Mitch McConnell is in jeopardy. Mitch McConnell is in jeopardy. Trump's going to lose because of Annie Bashir won. Like that to me was kind of wild how it was just so vast um yeah so i think i was a little surprised man i i i, I do like i i didn't expect it to be that unanimous there doesn't there didn't seem like there was any voice of reason to say you know kentucky's had a democratic governor most of your life so why is this any different there was like super there was 
there was like three levels of this. I think there was the like broad sort of like the national political blog that blog that never leaves Capitol Hill view, which was, oh, wow, Mitch McConnell you know, could be in trouble. And then there was like the second level, which was these people did a little more thinking or had a little maybe they sent someone to talk about, you know, to go look in Louisville and look in I'm sorry, look in Kentucky in general. And that was what the New York Times did, where they had their article and their podcast that was like, but it's still it, they talked a lot about the background in Kentucky, but they still went ahead and talked a ton about oh, impeachment had an impact on this. Impeachment made this a close race. Right. When that was also BS, but it was like a different level of it. And that then, was already, that, that didn't surprise me. That was already decided two weeks the before the election. To all of it, which was yeah. mostly people who are local writers. Um, at, at the Huffington Post uh, has a guy on staff named Travis Waldron, who's from Louisville. He's a UK fan. He's on Twitter. I follow him. Um, but he wrote pretty much all their Kentucky election stuff, even though I don't think he's really like a political reporter there. And uh, it was all very measured and very much like everybody chill out. Even I think a guy from Berea wrote an article on The New York Times. It was like, <laughs> hey, you guys got to shut up because that's not what happened at all. Like, this yeah. is just a really weird situation. I think Perry Bacon Jr. did the same thing. Um, yeah. But yeah. So a ton of people kind of did that who were local based. Also, one of the guys from uh, the Trillbillies <laughs> out in Eastern Kentucky wrote a, a pretty good article I think it's called the baffler. I've read it occasionally. So let's, let's kind of put it in reverse for a second. While we agree that, that none of this was really a referendum on how the Senate racer is going to go, or even how, you know, the presidential election is going to go. Right. Is there anything you could take away and say, maybe this is a place where the Democrats could make inroads in the Senate race? Because there was, there was something that, ah, man, I can't remember the tweet exactly, but it definitely made me pause. And I, I think it was along the lines of just how definitive the the herbal and rural divide was. Yes. I don't know that, that that would be kind of a good thing for, for Democrats. But I don't know. Is, is there anything that you look at and say, you know, that didn't really go how I expected? So maybe this is something that can carry over to, to you know, next year? I think I'm most interested in the suburbs of the state. And yeah. how that affects some of the state elections. I don't I think we're very far away from Democrats being able to take either the House or the Senate. Um, I don't have a good idea of how this, you know, all works or have insight to it. But uh, Robert, when he came on, had some really good insights in places like we talked about Breathitt County during the the Twitch stream and how they have mm-hmm. a, a Democratic um, you know representative, even though they voted for Trump overwhelmingly. But I'm right. very interested in seeing places like northern Kentucky. That's what I was going to say. That northern Kentucky corridor looks looks pretty interesting. I didn't I, I didn't realize I guess I, I, I hadn't you know, I know several people who live up there and many people who I consider, you know, you know, good friends. And I guess I didn't realize that it's not just like people going back, you know, and moving there, but it's, it's sort of becoming like an upscale type suburban area compared yeah. to Cincinnati. Like yeah. you might as well spend, like, why would you spend a ton of money in Cincinnati when you can be just as close to all the stuff you want to be, but also in Covington. So right. I think that's going to be really interesting. But the other thing to note is that, this next election doesn't matter a whole ton for the state house and stuff because they're going to change the maps afterward. Yeah. 
yeah, uh, <laughs> there is going to be a lot of voting districts that change. That, like, right. that change, that map change. But if right. the, if the Democrats can't take the House, it doesn't or the Senate, it, it doesn't quite matter. So yeah, it's just to me, you know, Matt Bevin being the the least popular governor in Kentucky that I've easily had ever. in my lifetime, and, and 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 obviously for you know most of the year in the United States, losing to the son of a of a former governor to me isn't very newsworthy for how other things are going to go um so yeah yeah i'm very interested um i mean the louisville showing out the way he did is noteworthy if that continues in just general elections um that'll be interesting i mean like the first dude to come out the morning after the election and say that bevan needs to stand down was jason neems who represents some of the louisville suburbs and then also a good chunk of oldham county I'm sure that dude saw his precincts voted for Bashir and he scared right. off his behind. Yeah, he's sort yeah. of always been a moderate Republican, but that dude only won his last election by 400 votes. And I'm sure he saw this like, oh, crap, you know, like my my my, my area is becoming more Democratic. So like, And that's I mean, that's kind of what I was saying. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying. And it, you know, it's a totally different type of deal. But that's kind of what I was saying when I talked about how I was a little surprised how much Trump aligned himself with with Bevan, um, because just how unpopular it was. Obviously, I grossly underestimated how much Trump didn't care about that stuff. So he can just go back on the back end and say, (laughs) you know, Matt Bevan was down by 10 percentage points before I came into Kentucky, which isn't true at all. Um, But yeah, um, that that. That's something I've thought about as well. No question. No question. Um, I think we should talk about Charles Booker before we go. Yeah. I think this is a good last story because, you know, we're talking a lot about 2020. Speaking of 2020, uh, Charles Booker, representative in Louisville, represents my district, but that kind of is weird and reaches through downtown and also goes into the Russell neighborhood where he lives and works. And, um, he is running for he, he started an exploratory committee and says, quote, I'm strongly considering running for Senate um, against I think at this point to be pretty, pretty surprised. I'd be surprised if he didn't. Um, but I, I don't want to I don't want to say your words for you, Chris, or put words in your mouth. That was a weird way to say it, put words in your mouth. <laughs> um, but I was incredibly encouraged by the messaging that he put out the video that he put out really recommend people to watch it off their own in the notes. And it's just, uh, you know, it's, we're finally, you know, we talked a lot about Adam Edelin and how we kind of support Adam Edelin, but I think this is, you know, this is a more traditional pro- progressive message. Like I think it's coming from, uh, you know, uh, you know, with all due respect for Adam Edelin, like, I think, you know, he has a little bit, you know, he's a little more middle-class, upper middle-class. And this is, uh, a person who is readily talking about the fact that they worked in par- poverty and that they've always lived in poverty. And, and they're talking about some of the issues um, that a lot of people in the state don't want to talk about. And I think he's going to I'm really interested in see how this tour goes of the state um, where he says he's going to talk to a lot of people. He's already gone out to some of the, the eastern Kentucky coal mine areas. And, and I think he can really connect with people. It's going to be really difficult for him to overcome the massive mountain of cash that Amy McGrath has. And, you know, we're not going to edit. I don't want to talk about Matt Jones at this point. But, you know, it's going to be really hard for him to overcome that. But I do think it's 
so far, this platform is the most interesting platform I've seen a statewide Kentucky person run on so far. Yeah, man. I, I was kind of thinking, even if he doesn't get to that situation uh, of, of actually running against Mitch McConnell, just having the messaging um, and, and someone who's out there saying these things about Mitch McConnell that for whatever reason, um, whether it's not alienating conservative voters or, or whatever it is, that a lot of people that have ran against Mitch McConnell have been scared to say. Getting those things out there and in the open is extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was one of the first guys, um, one of the first notable people that I can think of that was in Eastern Kentucky with the whole Black Jewel thing was going yeah. on. Yeah, um, he was. So to me, I mean, even Andy Bashir who I still to this day don't understand how he wasn't out there immediately um, for, for just some positive PR wasn't there. Neither was Amy McGrath. It, it, it took a little bit of a while for, for all that to happen. So, I mean, I, I, I think like the fun, right? The fundraising thing notwithstanding, he's going to be able to guy that's going to be able to sit and have a conversation with you and earn your vote. And you know, that, that, that means something. He's, He's I don't not, know, know what that means, but I feel like if he's in your in a room and you're listening to him speak, you're going to want to vote He's for the him. least politician-y politician I've seen run. Yeah. Like legitimately, like a legitimate, what I think is going to be a legitimate campaign. And I think he's going to, I, I don't think, I, I'm going to be real, I don't, I don't think he's going to win the primary. But I do think he's going to be able to tap into a network of people both in Louisville and outside of Louisville uh, of progressive people and, you know, activate some of them and encourage them. And maybe that works for him down the line. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you put like a guy, he's kind of just following around a guy like Rocky Atkins, who's running and and he's just a voice of reason to kind of follow around and help him campaign. I mean, to me, that would be pretty significant for the democratic party. Cause that is an, another guy who, well, who has it ran that I would love to see kind of throw his name to that because I think thinking about it, apparently I think yeah. that we still don't know what is. I, 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 I haven't I haven't went on podcast and said exactly this, but I I think that Rocky Atkins has the best chance of actually defeating Mitch McConnell. That's um, a bit crazy for saying that. And and saying that I I still don't think he'd be a favorite. I, I think six seven percentage points. Um, you know he, he he'd probably lose, but I think he has a significantly better chance than Amy McGrath. Um, and, and I think he has a pretty better chance than, than Matt Jones just because of Louisville. Um, yeah. but it, it, if you can kind of align him with a person, you know, uh, uh, like a Charles Booker who can who could campaign with him, and like you said he's able to tap into to some of these uh, opportunities and maybe even network with some of these people and, and get in those situations. I, I think that's extremely valuable, but I am really interested to see how, um, you know, like you said, this tour around, uh, around the state goes and to see how much support he gets just from, you know, Democrats in Kentucky. Yeah, it would be, it would be super interesting. I'm, I'm very interested in see how, how it goes. I, I'd be surprised again, if he didn't run, it seemed like he had some very good feedback. I saw a lot of people, um, you know, tweeting about it. It seemed like he got a little bit of national press with some of the, um, you know, some more progressive outlets. I'm looking forward to that thoroughly. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's exciting in, in a unique way and, 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 and something I think people should definitely keep their eyes on. Yeah, I, I know you just saw the the Meyer Metcalf tweet about um, Chris Beard, Holtman, and Mac. That's a great question. 
Yeah. Five minutes to play in the national championship game. Game is tied. Which Chris do you want coaching your team in that situation? Chris Beard, Chris Holtman, or Chris Mack? <laughs> I like that. That's a good question. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm saying Chris Mack because he's our coach. I think yeah. a lot of people are going to say Beard. Chris Beard. Yeah. So it is what it is. But we'll see. Uh, thanks. I, th- I think that's about it we've got for this episode. Unless yeah. there's something else we want to get to, Chris. Um, no, I, I don't think I really have anything. Um, the, the hate to see it segment went well. Hate so, to see uh, it. <laughs> hate to see it. Look, uh, uh, a, 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 if you've got a hate to see it, submit it. We'll, do you we'll have like, it. do you have like any f- football thoughts, like general, just oh gosh, yeah, totally throw away football thoughts that we could speak about for six, seven minutes. If you wanted to, if you had anything, we I, 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 like, okay. Okay. We're going to talk about football for a minute. Yeah. Let's we go. can get to this for just a second. So the reaction to the Miami game took me a little bit by surprise. I will say that I, I didn't expect Louisville to get manhandled, but I certainly didn't expect Louisville to win that game. And people on Twitter were acting like Louisville was in the midst of an eight, nine win season. I, I think there was a big part of the, the, the fan base that allowed themselves to really think that Louisville had a shot at the orange ball. I think what people sort of thought about this and, and okay, I, I think what I thought about this game was that the we had seen it twice so far with teams. We had seen it against Wake Forest and we had seen it against Virginia where a team is favored against Louisville and the numbers really reflect them well. And Louisville's kind of been able to flip the script on them. And that sort of made me think that Louisville was is is has been consistently all season been undervalued and the other teams in the ace compared to the other teams in the ACC. So I sort of just, you know, copy and pasted that logic because it worked twice right. onto my, the, this Miami game and been like, well, I fully expect Louisville to either a lose close or B win. And just to get manhandled in that way in which it wasn't close was surprising to me and I was you know I, I I've seen some writing since and, and seen Keith Wynn from Carter Chronicle kind of break things down and make make the defense not seem as bad as it as it looked live but I was I, I I was having conversations with people you know very frustrated and like this is why we brought this dude in so we don't make these dumb mistakes yeah and they were making them and they were guess, some of the mistakes they made earlier in the season, but it's just like the whole. I, I don't remember who the who the defensive back was who messed up on that long touchdown. Marlon character, but that just yeah, and and it seems like that was just a weird play because I've never yeah. seen anything like that before. But that was just like the 2018 season encamp- encapsulated. Yeah, in that play. was like a microcosm, right? So I, I just I, I was like, fuck, this is happening again. No, I guess for me, dude, I, I just. For the most part, I've always felt like I've been able to get a pretty good grasp of the way the fan base feels, even if I don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I know how Louisville fans in general feel about this season at this point, because like me, <laughs> if Louisville finishes this season at five and seven or even six and six, I, I think there's going to be a very good place where you can criticize Scott Satterfield and say, you know, we had some really good feel good, but it really ended very bad. Um, and, and there's some question marks there, but at the same time, 
there were so many people before the season that were saying if Scott Satterfield gets Louisville to a bowl, you need to build him a statue. Yeah. So, like, I've likened it a few times already to Louisville beating North Carolina last year at North Carolina in basketball and saying, okay, now the standard is the NCAA tournament. The standard for this team is a bowl game. And I I think beyond that, it's it's seven win because NC State, Syracuse are two – Awful, awful teams. Yeah. And Kentucky is playing a wide receiver at quarterback. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to really have to reflect pretty hard after NC State, whether they win or lose, how I feel about it. Because I, I, I think there's it's a 50-50 split, man. I think there's a lot of people that would say Louisville has five wins now. Anything they do is, is gravy on top of that. And then there's another segment of the fan base that would say if Louisville doesn't get to a bowl game, the season is an abject failure. Um, and I, I don't think I have a grasp on, on, on you know, the majority. Okay, so like let's go let's go through these sort of outcomes here. So what do you think what do you think is the most likely outcome for these next three games? Win win loss. In that order. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean I think this NC State game is really weird because it's like I I don't NC State's garbage. <laughs> Syracuse is worse. That's the thing. So you would say NC State's bad, loss, Syracuse is worse. Loss, and then like sort of the next most likely possibility is win, win, win. Uh, no, I would say the next most possibility is loss, win, loss. Man, so you really don't think they can win out. See, that's that's like that's sort of the thing that I I I, I convinced myself. I, I really did. And See, that's why I'm at a different place. Like, I convinced it, myself so much that it's like the next like the last three games are wins so if we win this Miami game it's like I mean like I I I, maybe in my mind it was like 10% I thought a chance that they'd make the Orange Bowl but I was like win this Miami game and we're making the Orange Bowl against Miami we're we're saying that right now though especially because Wake lost to Virginia Tech yeah we are saying that right now, and no one's giving any thought. Which I think Virginia Tech now for sure is 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 set up to to be the Orange Bowl team. I, it could be a lot of teams. Virginia Tech, Virginia Wake, Virginia, Virginia Tech game is is going to be the Coastal Division, which is kind of cool. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know. I, I the UK game is so interesting because there's always so much. I mean, I, I think especially this fan base at this point. They would. I think they would trade two losses for a win against UK. <laughs> they, I, I think they would especially trade it with the caveat of Kentucky loses against Vandy and they beat Tennessee Martin and they're going into Louisville needing a win for a bowl game and you knock them out of bowl contention. They would definitely take it then. They would hundred. I don't think they're going to lose to 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 Vandy, but. I, I, I really do think that people would trade. And I'm not saying I'm one of them, but I might be one of them. I would trade two losses. I am one of them. I would trade the losses for the next two games for a win against UK. Oh, I am too, because it would mean it would that mean, mean, Like, despite like what it would mean for like what the season was, because I just. You'd still think, be going to the bowl. Yeah, you'd still be going to the bowl. But I, I do think so much of what this fan base has measured themselves every season, even when UK was trash, was well, we beat UK every year. So if we make a bowl and we beat UK every year, that's a season. See, I don't think it was met. Charlie Strong years. I don't think it was measured in, in to that degree. I think here lately it certainly has been, but yeah. I'm not sure about always. 
Yeah, so it would be interesting. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a far ways away. I was very weirded out. Well, I mean, not weirded out, but I was quite surprised, taken aback, that the game against Syracuse is like four, <laughs> four o'clock. Yeah, or four o'clock. Like that's a weird time for a football game. But um, yeah, any any last football notes? I don't want to. I don't want to talk about quarterbacks again. No, I I, I don't want to go into the whole minutia. Um, I like I said, it, it, so to me at this, you think win win loss? That's what you're saying right now. Oh yeah, if I had to, if I had someone gave me a thousand dollars and they were like, throw a bet on how Louisville's going to finish. That's that's seven and five, right? That's seven and five. Okay, that's what I would say. Okay. Um. Yeah. So if if they lose against NC State, we're going to do a podcast. It's probably going to be almost all football because I'll have a lot to say. Yeah, NC State isn't good. Uh, they like, they're really bad, they're man. Really bad. And Syracuse is even worse. And you're right. So yeah, those should be wins. So <laughs> I got a good buddy going to the NC State game. He said it's going to be freezing. Yeah. So that's one thing to consider. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and with that, I think we'll close this out, Chris. Um, people we're posting a little more on instagram now if people want to follow us on instagram at what high school uh definitely do that and then that that newsletter that we used to do a lot we're gonna do (laughs) um chris is laughing right now and uh we'll definitely do that we'll do that but uh thanks everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you next time